Whistle. Hello and welcome to the CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcasts. I'm Stephen Hedges. This week we venture into Carmarthenshire as we talk to four members of the Bronwyth Cricket Club. I first met and interviewed Chris Peregrine, John Homer, Arwen Thomas and Dorian Taylor on a Zoom call. Due to circumstances that I'm still claiming were beyond my control, the interview was not recorded. So we all met again a couple of weeks later on a balmy Saturday afternoon at the Bronwyth Clubhouse. The recording captures the sounds of any day when cricket is being played. So there are clinking glasses, dogs barking and the occasional peal from out on the ground in addition to our recorded ones. I hope this doesn't spoil the listen to four wonderful servants to the club and the game of cricket in a lovely part of the Welsh countryside. Well, nice to meet you all in person. Perhaps if we start as we did last time, we'll go around uh, the table and you introduce yourselves. Tell us a little bit about your connection with Bron with the club and maybe tagged on the end of that a little bit of yourselves as a cricketer uh, in younger days or present day, if that's still possible. I don't think I do. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, John Elmer, uh, president at the moment and treasurer. Came down here in the West Midlands 40 years ago virtually. Uh, joined the club straight away, played for uh, 20 years probably. After finished playing, started umpiring, coaching, scoring, was asked to go on the committee. Uh, I seem to have been on the committee ever since. I've had the position of chairman, treasurer, secretary, and so I've had all the lot really. Okay. Um, and as a cricketer? As steady, right arm, medium bowler. Five, six, or seven bat. Arwen, do you want to introduce yourself and say a little bit about you? I was born and brought up in the area, and uh, going right back, uh, my first experience of cricket was playing for the next village up, which was Sampham site in the late 1940s, uh, which was pretty rustic then, because. Uh, before you cut the wicket, you made sure there wasn't a cowpart there, you know. Uh, we were listening as kids to the selectors outside the shed because we had a big away crunch match against the village of Kundiyat, which was about four or five miles away. And, of course, at that time, you see, there were very few cars around. And the selectors got to some point and uh, they said, we've got to drop dye green, said the man with the book in front of him, because he hasn't scored a run yet, he's out first ball, that's straight. And there was a big argument about it, we were just sitting outside the shed, and eventually somebody said, you can't drop dye, because his car carries six. (laughs) So, we went away, we lost the match, dye was bowled first ball, but uh, we enjoyed the enjoyed in the back of the car coming back. We had a lift home. Uh, that was the important thing then. And the other memory of that particular era, we, we were given way mats in Ferry Side, which was a long way away, uh, 10 to 12 miles. And when we got down there, there was a very nice man in Ferry Side, um, Mr. Wilkins, the insurance man. And he said, oh, you boys have come a long way. We won't toss up. We'll give your drivers a rest. You bat first. 
Uh, so he went out on the beach where the mat was laid and he said, post behind there, boundary behind, post behind there, boundary there, rocks on this side and the sea on that side. Well, we, we scored about 40, I think, uh, very slowly. I don't think we hit the sea once. But when they went into bat, the tide was coming in, <laughs> and they knocked off the runs in no time. <laughs> so that was the kind of, you know, the rustic uh, thing at that time. And cricket hadn't been around here before the war, but it suddenly became very popular. And then by about the 1960s, it died out again and didn't reappear into the into the 70, late 70s and So did you have any associations with Bronwyn back in the 1950s? Uh, I was born, brought up just up the road. Bronwyn had a team then who played Carmarthen sides and everybody had a kind of side then, you know, the county offices, the post office, the teachers of the grammar school, the police, garages, pubs, uh, and they all played in the 20 over competitions. Uh, it was very popular at the time, but then that again all died out in the 60s okay. until we reappeared here. We'll pick up that story in a little while. Yeah. What a little bit about you as a cricketer? Uh, as a cricketer, I, I think I'm mainly a bowler, but I, I used to think that I was a better bat than most captains uh, thought. But really, mainly a bowler, but I could bat a bit. Yeah. And what positions do you hold now uh, out of the club? Uh, retired now, at the moment, yes. Uh, I've been through captains, chairman first, captain, uh, fixture, secretary, youth. I started the youth uh, here, uh, and then looked after the ground for about, oh, I don't know, about 30 years or so. But eventually now I've become a spectator. <laughs> Chris? Yeah, well, I think I, my association was from the first season in 78, and my first memory was a practice match, which I think was almost to see if there's enough people to, to form a team. And I remember finding out about this practice match. That led basically to, to us playing, you know, there was, there was enough... Um, enough momentum to, to form the club and uh, a way to go so that was that was 78 so um, I, was, I was in at the, the start of what was an exciting adventure really and the, the feeling of being pioneers I think I was kind of middle order batsman everyone says middle order because it, it hides a multitude of sins really um, occasionally I went up to, to help out the top of the order various teams you know uh, but generally middle middling um, I had the odd the odd trundle of the ball, um, some of them very odd, eh, to be honest. Um, but I enjoyed enjoyed the bowl. As Avrin said, now you know the, the captain didn't always um, share my opinion of that. And Dorian, um, well, I moved to the village in '88, and my first association with the cricket club was probably uh, in the uh, mid '80s. Was at the time I was still playing rugby, um, and I was sort of drawn into the game by. Wynne Jones, or Wynne Fantig as he's uh, known, that um, he created a dawn to dusk uh, match, which uh, was basically to raise funds for the club. 
and that was my first uh, association with cricket. Having played in school, didn't enjoy it as either football or, or rugby. So I, I played regularly for for win. Uh, so I captain the thirds. I was a a slow, a very slow left-handed bowler, and I'd like to think that uh, you know I was better bowler than than a batsman. Um, um, that said, I mean, I have uh, turned out for, for the seconds over the years and occasionally when uh, injuries have occurred, I've taken uh, the field and we know to me that uh, because I was there as a spectator, I was, I was on the field uh, being 12th man. But, um, that's my role with uh, cricket. I, this is my second stint currently as, as chairman um, and enjoying it with all the challenges it brings, what with COVID and, and what have you. Around in the late 70s, uh, there was no cricket around here. There was no cricket ground in Carmarthen at all. The nearest was in Portobello on one side, Larn and Whitland the other side. And I was playing in Forlan in the Pembrokeshire League. And then in 1978, I went down to get my paper from the shop. And uh, the shopkeeper said, congratulations. And I said, what for? <laughs> he said, the chairman of Broadwood Cricket Club. I said, Broadwood Cricket Club doesn't exist. It finished in 1950. And he said, oh, yes, it does. And, of course, what I didn't know then was that a gentleman had moved down here from Bath, Trevor Benwell, bought a house uh, in Getty Eye, the estate there, and uh, said, why isn't there a cricket club here? Um, people said, we don't know, there used to be one. Well, we'll do something about that. And of course, in typical Trevor style, he elected a captain, chairman, made himself secretary, uh, and then called a public meeting. And that's when people like Wynne Puntag and Ron Lloyd and uh, various people came in. And in, in fact, the whole village became involved. So it was an Englishman that, that reintroduced cricket to yes, the, to the yes, village? Yes, it was. And he, well, he was quite amazing, you know. He, he couldn't see a problem. He could only see solutions. And he said, um, I'm going to arrange a fixture list for 78. And I said, we haven't got a ground. And he said, don't worry, we'll play away. And uh, we played away all over the place, you know, uh, in Goat and down in Stuck. Pontebellum and, and uh, up in Aberystwyth and so on. And then we borrowed Crookedary, the ground here where we are, the following year in 79. We borrowed it. We were allowed to change in the hay shed and the cow shed. Uh, and things developed from there gradually, uh, step by step first clubhouse, the second clubhouse, and holding the ground, and all that ensued from there. Around that time, the, the Packer thing had started, and so they started playing coloured clothing. It's probably taken a long time to catch up with that, but the white ball, and um, Trevor decided, we're going to try playing with a white ball. There weren't any available, so he painted, painted the normal ball white. I was a bit disappointed when it didn't last. <laughs> Start slaking off. So, yes. so that was just an ex he just wanted to kind of get things going, really, um, and and did so basically. And he opened the batting for us as well. He, he had the one shot with the leg lance. Yeah, yeah. 
that, that was a fine leg, and that was it, really. Irrespective of the length of the exactly. ball. Or exactly. Yeah. He, knew, he knew what he wanted to do. <laughs> he knew what he wanted to do. <laughs> um, so the, the mid-80s is a significant moment for the club with the building of the first clubhouse of any description. Yeah. Something you want to tell me a little bit about how that happened, how you raised the money for it? and um, Well, it was... The, the cost from memory was, was £20,000 and we were lucky um, we, we got Bert Russell from the Sports Council for Wales um, he, he covered this area kind of South West Wales as a, as a kind of rep and a very enthusiastic gentleman came down and uh, we sold him the idea but he, did, he, didn't, he didn't have to be sold it really he just see what we wanted to achieve and he promised a match fund if we raised 10,000, he Sports Council Wales would match funded to make the 20. The club celebrated the opening of that pavilion with um, a very famous Glamorgan name. Somebody you want to tell me about the, the day itself? And Yeah, it was called Alan Jones 11, um, and to open the pavilion in September 85, um, Jim Presdy played Glamorgan, Malcolm Nash, um, Phil Carling was due to play, he was Glamorgan's secretary at the time, the Cambridge Blue, but he pulled out in the morning, but he enlisted a young Tony Cotty. My memory of the match um, was fielding in the covers somewhere over there, and Alan Jones, um, I think he retired about 82 and was 85, so he could still handle a bat, and he could for years later, but he pinged one, one of the famous cover drives, and I just never heard the ball make that kind of noise as it, as it passed me comfortably. It's a, a different noise from what I've been used to hearing off the bat. Uh, just pure timing. So the club had a home, the club had a clubhouse. Yeah. Presumably then that period through the late 80s and into the 90s was about the club developing as a, a, a competitive club. I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about the, the competitive side of the cricket that you played? Yeah, the, as I said, we, we when I first came down here, and I think when we started... Was there anything before the West Wales Conference? No, friendlies. Just friendlies. The Gwilly Tav midweek league we played as well. But it was quite a good. Mid 80s, yeah. yeah. It was quite a good midweek league. Larne, the Wanderers, Whitland, St yeah. Clair's, Johnstone. Johnstone. Um, and it was quite competitive. We won it a few times. Uh, but we then decided, I think, to go into the West Wales Conference. And in the end, we had two sides in there. The first side and second, we played up in Aberystwyth, Aberpoth, uh, Cardigan, Tregaro and Cardigan. Tullabond. Tullabond. Uh, all yeah. over. Lampeter. That yeah. end. Quite a lot of travelling. And Ryder as well. We were involved with, with Ryder. But th that 80s period, it was an amazing period for interest and development of cricket because there were village sites suddenly starting up in places like San Stefan, San Edward, San Bernardin, I'm naming a few rural villages now and everybody wanted to play and there was a midweek league, there was something on here almost every night, two sides on Saturday, two sides on Sunday and apart from the midweek league then they decided, well, we want to play in winter as well, so the indoor league <laughs> happened in winter, and that was a tremendous era. Uh, and then, yeah, but yeah, we entered, we entered the, <coughs> we went into the South Wales Cricket Association 
players want win lose cricket, and now it's a it's a league where the you know our firsts are in the first division and our seconds are in the third division, and there's no problem in them getting promotion uh, because it's just it's a pyramid system, so the firsts and the seconds play wherever they want to play or wherever they finish up. So we've all, <coughs> always supported player development, and you know if you know if the youngsters want to progress, you know it's just like at the pyramid system that they've got to go and play the higher standard. And yeah, it's disappointing, I suppose, that you know our coaches are given time and effort to coach these players, and then all of a sudden if they're to improve and play at a higher level, when they move on to a, a club that is at a higher division and ourselves. So we've just got to accept that and, and support the development. Um, and, and good luck to them. I mean, only this week, uh, one of our young ladies uh, received her under-13s Welsh cap. She's in the school board today with her father and her brother staying out here. So this is how the club is. It's a family club. Um, and, and we just, you know, we just hope that uh, we can get many more like young Caris uh, Jones. And we have done, as you'll see from the pictures uh, over the, uh, the window there. But uh, it's, yeah, we do, uh, we do get them. And unfortunately, we do lose them as well. It's a rural club. You get a lovely feeling of being in the country when you're here. When I was chatting to Chris before meeting you all, um, there were three little things that he mentioned. So I don't know who wants to tell us about these. First one was the swarm of bees. <laughs> well, the swarm of bees didn't happen here. Uh, it happened up in uh, we were playing up in Lampita uh, in the West Wales Conference in those days, and uh, our team from we were batting, and some of our young players were messing about, uh, batting, and they lost the ball in the hedge. And they went to look for the ball and they whacked the bat a few times and hit this nest. Oh my God, they, they didn't have to come out. The, the field was black and they made right for center of activity in the middle of the wicket. And everybody ran off. I made it to the car, I was watching anyway, and, um, and eventually the, the umpire came out, he was very scared, uh, but I think I annoyed him, I said, did you call dead ball? <laughs> <laughs> so the game restarted eventually, did it? Oh yes, yeah. yeah. Actually they made their way off then, I don't know where they went, but you know, swarm like that. Nasty. Yes, well it's like your home being bombed, isn't it, you know? <laughs> And the the cattle? Oh, that was here. Avrin knows that story very well. The, the bullocks. Yes. Well, it was a very hot afternoon in um, this time of year. And, of course, you, you do get the warble fly that goes after cattle at this time and stings them behind the tail. And, uh, and they go absolutely wild when that happens. And they were in the field below below the river, below the bridge, but they went absolutely wild, raced up under the bridge and suddenly into the cricket field. And, um, and then, you know, made for the square and the match was in progress. Uh, and the same umpire, the brown wing, when fair play, he was the only one that stood his ground again. And he said, so, so, go away. Keep away from the square. Oh, okay. uh, and 
they quietened down. Obviously, the war was like stopped, and they went back. So Must have recognised the authority in his voice. <laughs> yeah. Must have done. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fundraisers, obviously, very important for the club at all times. There was a Tommy Cooper curry night. Yeah. It was your idea, wasn't it, Chris? Possibly, yeah. Um, it, it's called Cooper and Curry. Um, I thought that title worked, so we, we just. And was it only because of the alliteration? No other reason. We like curry and we, we like Tommy Cooper, um, so it, it, it seemed to work. We just uh, yeah, we had videos uh, or DVDs. I remember now. Um, yeah. A few TVs in the pavilion. Wall to wall, Tommy Cooper. Because a, a night out, everyone's talking and a few drinks, and no one really watching it in the end. But the curry was very nice, so that was why we had a, a Bulls tournament here on the outfield. Um, and yeah, a few other fundraisers. I mean, the barbecues, you know, team barbecues would have been another kind of constant. Caribbean night. Caribbean night. Um, so yeah, and, and you know, the club must act as a little bit of a hub for the community as as well. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, apart from being a a, a social centre as well, um, you know. We, we're fortunate going on from what Chris said about the early days and, and fundraising. You know, these days, like everybody else, you can only survive with sponsorship and advertisers' income. And we're fortunate that, you know, we have a large nucleus of, of sponsors and, and advertisers who support us year on year. And a lot of those are local people. Um, and they do spend a lot of time down here as well. So, um, yeah, it's... The only way forward is through through sponsorship and advertising, so that we can, apart from making changes here within the clubhouse, is improving the, the ground and facilities out there as well. We can never do it on, a, on ourselves. One of our favourites, uh, the Irish trip um, on the Swansea Cove Ferry in, in '88. Seen photo on the uh, on the key on the dock side before we hit the ferry and. That, that journey over was, was notable for one of our esteemed members. He there was a casino on board and um, he won a bit of money. And he was um, there were a few youngsters on the trip and they were impressed by his capacity to win a bit of money on the uh, on the blackjack. And he made an announcement to say, "Rule number one: never ever go back." So a few hours later, into the early hours, we were on the Murphy. Thank goodness. <laughs> Exactly. Um, he disappeared and we said to him, where are you going? He said, I'm about to break rule number one. <laughs> he broke rule number one, he lost a lot and we hadn't even got to Cork and he was broke. So we, we subbed him um, for the whole trip then. Yeah. But one day, John, we had not one torn team here, we had two. Remember that? Yeah. 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 A, a, fi a fixture mix-up is a phrase. Um, so, Avril? <laughs> well, uh, actually, at that time, I was the fixture secretary. Right. And um, I went up to the local pub at lunchtime to make sure that uh, this side from Gloucester, Gloucestershire, uh, were there, you know, they were okay. And we said, oh, hi, yeah, we were right. We had a great tour, and we'll see you later. So I came down here, and... Um, I could hear in the changing rooms, so to brew me accent, you know. 
And I thought, well, you know, they get everywhere nowadays. We've got one in our club, John Homer, so they, they probably got a Brummie in their team. So I didn't think any more about it. So players tossed up here and uh, the visitors batting. And as the bowler was about to start the first ball, into the car park came this minibus. Out came cricketers with bats and kit. Hello, there's another side here. So I think it's the first time ever that an opening bat has had a captain walk up to him and ask him, who are you? <laughs> and he said, we do kiss from Birmingham. We really lost you. We said we're coming back. And he hadn't contacted anybody. So they just turned up on a bank holiday Monday. So how was it all resolved? As a result, we made them play each other 20 overs, and the Gloucestershire people were quite happy to go home, then they were tired. And then we played the other side uh, after tea. So, so it was the first triangle of tournament, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Who wants to mention the score, the score box? How did that come about? Well, I think we're the only, the only one, as far as we know, uh, who have a Welsh-only score box. It was a, sorry. It was a feature, if you remember, Alvin, on S4C, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. Because of the uh, okay. uniqueness of having a, a Welsh only score goal, yeah. we were featured on um, Kino, I think it was, wasn't it? Uh, yes. At the time. Um, and of course, we've had a lot of uh, Cardiff Welsh sides and Pablo Cum playing here and Dewey Puss yeah, Chris gave a lovely list of, of the various kind of luminaries that have, that have either well, played yeah, here or visited I mean, here. I think that day Rob Ryden played, um, we had Sam Easterby, Scott Quinnell, Robin McBride, um, and then in the presence of them, which is September match, we used to have um, Eddie Thomas from Boxing played. Yeah. Uh, he was chuffed he was to get the invitation because he didn't expect it, but I've run it heard him on the radio saying about his love of cricket and so we rang him up and he, he turned up and played Beveren Price, Commonwealth Gold um, Gold medalist Herdler um, Peter Rodriguez who was um, FA Cup winning captain he played um, and then on the Glamorgan front I mean Rodney Ontong Robert Croft Mike Llewellyn, Ivy on Jones Simon, Simon Jones has played here, yeah, Jeff Jones um, they, they, at some point, they've all played here. You know, we had the, the snooker evening as well, which was a, a, another fundraiser. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, tell me, tell me who played. Yeah, it was um, again a lot of organisation went into it, and we had the hall, the present hall, and we seated it uh, with sloping seating, with a snooker table in the in the middle, all lit and everything. Sold all the tickets, no problem at all, and it was an exhibition match between. Matthew Stevens, who lives in Carmarthen, and Jimmy White, and obviously that, that at that time uh, Jimmy White was the was the attraction, and we it was packed out. We couldn't sell any more tickets. Um, I, I can't remember how many we it, we held in there, but it was a it was a it was a full house. Uh, Matthew Stevens had arrived on time, uh, plenty of time, and he was practicing in front of the crowd. Um, and unfortunately, there was no Jimmy White. Uh, and uh, I made various trips from the call out into the car park to see if he'd arrived. This big black car, I think it was, arrived with Jimmy in uh, about four of his minders, including his father. 
uh, and we had a, an excellent night. Um, and Jimmy played Matthew Stevens five or six frames, I would have thought. Um, uh, and Jimmy went and left us after the evening had finished. And it was just a just something different. We've always tried, even now, when we try a fundraiser, we don't have a, a beetle drive or a bingo night. We always try and do something different. Can I ask you all how you feel about the future of cricket as a sport? I sincerely hope that cricket will be played forever. The ultimate is five-day test matches. That's the ultimate of cricket. Uh, and then you've got the four-day ch county championship, which we all we all support in, in various ways. The, the thinning down of the game uh, into a 50-over one-day match, I think, is, is, is a very good thing. I'm not a great supporter of the new hundred. Uh, I think it's just a gimmick. I don't think it's. I don't think there's a need for another competition. I think we're quite happy with the four-day with the four-day county championship. The one-day matches. I think the one-day matches are good because it people want a result straight away. The 50 hours is a good competition. I've no problem with the T20. Uh, it brings. It puts. It puts bums on seats, which the county system once um, but I think after that uh, I, I think I'd keep it at that as far as the cricket here is concerned uh, as we said if we if we keep developing the club from a, a junior base we've got to be confident we no I mean the, the all-stars has, has helped hasn't it in, in attracting the young uh, boys and girls to, to the sport but I know that this season that we haven't got um, junior teams at uh, 7 and 9, 11, I think we've only got the 13s and 15, so I think it's just a, a cycle, it'll go round, it'll come round, and we'll, uh, those teams will come back as long as we keep attracting uh, the youngsters, and I think that the All-Stars, um, you know, they get the the amount that they pay, they get their kit, they get their bat, their ball, their, their top, the what have you, I think that, that helps in attracting them, um, and Carl, who is our uh, All-Stars uh, coordinator. He, he thoroughly enjoys his Sunday mornings uh, down here um, with with them. And he actually gets the parents involved as well, which he has to, because he can't, he can't be everywhere. Um, so it's it's a good thing, and I'd like to see that continue where we keep attracting the youngsters coming through, and as John says, develop them through, through the youth system to the senior sides. Um, and any uh, international honours they get at the end of it. Yeah. One, one observation, that I, I don't think um, the current kind of young crop, if you like, know their opposite numbers as well as we knew ours because we used to hang around the, the bar afterwards. And obviously there's, there's a travel implication with, with driving, the away team have got to, got to go back to wherever they're from. But we, we used to kind of get to know the other teams, um, you know, very well and playing year on year out you know you get you get to know them um, but you you're on the field and you're not talking on the field but you're talking afterwards in the bar and um, I think first class players will say the same thing that they don't mix anymore um, and but I always thought well we're playing an amateur game if we don't mix why are we playing it you know uh, well uh, as a historian I'm well aware that ages change, you know, uh, and uh, I know that my age, uh, 
I belong to the Fringe my background. At one time, I always appreciated when cricket was on every television set, which was on in every room. You know, the test matches on everywhere. That's not the case nowadays. That has changed. I'm still the one for the five day and the four day. And I quite, nothing, I like more than to watch a morning, first morning, and see perhaps only one or two wickets that go down, but to see the battle between the, the batsmen and the bowlers. Uh, but most people, uh, you know, the way the, the game has moved on now, and as John mentioned, the one day is, and so on. But it does have a negative effect on some youngsters. I'm watching some youngsters here on Monday night, and there was a chap, he was either trying to hit a six, or it's getting bold. And I just wonder whether it's the way television is now. You only see a few highlights, and the highlights are the ball going over the boundary or the stumps going flat out. Uh, but again, on the positive side, uh, I think the schools have now largely failed cricket. And I say that as an ex-teacher, so <laughs> it don't... Nobody take me up on that. I know too much about it. Um, it's the clubs who will save the game. And some clubs are doing very well indeed. And the more they put into development of youth, and as uh, Dorian mentioned, all-stars, starting them off there, then into league cricket. And it's very nice to see that uh, girls are now involved, and girls are coming through. And also, we've started a ladies' team, haven't yes. we? This uh, season. So, yeah. mothers now involved. So, really, uh, let's hope it's becoming a family sport again. I think all of you, in one way or another, talked about young people playing. Yeah. Without wanting to upset any of you, you were all young once. <laughs> How does it feel now when you look back on your your life in and around the club and in and around cricket? As, what's cricket meant for all of you? But I think it's a, it's a drug, really. If you don't know it, if you, if you don't um, understand it, it, it's 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 difficult to get to get the message over because um, it's, it's more than bat and ball. It's there's a, a battle out there, but it's it's so much more, you know, socially as well. Um, playing at this ground, I mean, we've got the river at the far end, the far boundary, the Gwilly Railway, steaming along to our left. So it's been special playing on this ground. And I think you know a lot of clubs over the years have enjoyed playing the ground with uh, touring sides, um, and then it's it's more than just the overs you spend out in the middle, but um, that's what got you there in the first place. That's what got you to the club you wanted to play cricket, um, and um, you know cricket people are, I think they're okay. I think they're okay. Yeah. Well, I I I probably haven't played as much sort of competitive cricket as uh, the the other three here but I mean the occasionals was basically an, uh, a social side and I think that was, that's what attracted me was you could have a, a beer and, and play sport as well um, and that's how I uh, became involved here and uh, I'm currently uh, responsible for the, the sponsorship and the advertising so I mean it's uh, it's a big it's quite a big task, but I mean, knowing that if you can give 
your sponsors a good day when they're here then it makes it easier for them to come back the following year that's what I find personally um, and uh, long may continue uh, to be honest as I said earlier on uh, it's the lifeblood of, of this club is having that financial support to do what we want to do and as John said you know we like to do things differently here um, and all that helps why do we keep coming here? It's because hey, we all love the game, we all love the club, uh, and we want to. We all want to develop it. Uh, every little bit of money that we've raised in the club over the 40, 45 years we've been going uh, has been ploughed back into the club. Headmaster always gets the last word. Oh God! X, Steve, where before before he says, that's what I say. In 79, the first home match they, they played here, someone had to bowl the first ball on this ground. And it was quite a nice outcome for you, I believe, wasn't it? Yes, uh, with the first ball ever bowled here, uh, I bowled the opening bat for Clan Stefan, poor bugger, uh, middle and off it was. But that makes up for one or two other things because I, I played golf in winter for 30 years, never got a hole in one. And I played cricket for much, much longer than that, until I was 65, and never got a hat-trick. So that memory does make up a bit for it. But cricket really, it's, um, I think it's a game where it's slow enough for a bit of the repartee to happen between players, you know, and what it could, the various stories. One could go on and on about them, which can't happen in rugby or soccer. The games are too quick, too fast. Uh, but I always remember bowling up in Aberystwyth against Robin Varley, and I, he's a very good bat, he played for Wales, and I bowled him a bad ball, and he hit me for six, and not only over the boundary, but it hit the top of the tennis court. Well, the next ball... I bowled him. Before that, when it hit the top of the tennis court, I said, Merry Christmas, you know. Next ball, I bowled him. He tried to do it again, I think. And as he walked past me, took my gloves off, he said, and a happy new year. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, Arwen, uh, Chris and Dorian, thanks for giving us your time today and telling us all about the club just like to wish you personally and the club all the best for this season and for many future seasons to come hopefully thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you, thank you for coming down yeah. a big thank you to the four gentlemen of Bronwyn Chris John Dorian and Arwen and if you're ever in Carmarthen I would recommend a little trip up the valley to the beautiful little ground they have there Next week, we have an interview with Mujahid Ilyas, Diverse Communities Development Officer with Cricket Wales. So join us again when we'll have some more stories about the great game of cricket from the great country of Wales. Bye for now. Oes gyda chi stori yw'r hanni gyda ni? Mae'n croeso i chi gysylltu 
e-bostiwch mwcpod1921 at gmail.com. Neid ewch i'n tudalen Facebook, Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcast. Neid i'n tudalen Twitter, at Welsh Cricket Pod. Do you have a story you'd like to share with us? If so, please contact email mwcpod1921 at gmail.com or go to our Facebook page, Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcast, or our Twitter, at Welsh Cricket Pod.